1NZ has one awesome summer lined up for you. This is The Serve with Ricardo Ball on SENZ. bit of uh, Billy Idol. Our theme right through to 2.30 with our music is Songs with Colours. You can text us those in here um, on the programme, double eight double three on the Bedpost Temper Text Machine. We are talking tennis this hour. This particular show is called The Serve. Now, One New Zealand is an official sponsor of the ASB Classic on in Auckland starting today and next week. And we appreciate One New Zealand, formerly Vodafone, becoming an official sponsor of that particular tennis tournament. One of the great events on the New Zealand sporting calendar, a great way to kick off every year here in New Zealand. We are in one moment going to catch up with the ASB Tennis Classic event director, Nicholas Lamperin to get his thoughts on how the last six months has been and what we can expect over the next two weeks. We will play an interview that was done earlier this morning with Erin Routliffe, the New Zealander who has been given the wild card spot in the ASB Women's Classic. Big opportunity for a New Zealand player. Chance to make a breakthrough. Doesn't happen too often. Get given the chance, you are going to have to take the chance. Now, I was just talking about TCU, Texas Christian University, before 11 o'clock, why I have an affinity for them, and they've just made the college American football final in the United States. And I'd mentioned a couple of friends of mine that had been on scholarships over there. And I've just been reminded, in fact, that Cam Norrie, and Maggie sent this in, and thank you, Maggie, that Cameron Norrie, who's 11 in the world, who grew up playing his tennis here in New Zealand and reached the semi-finals of Wimbledon, also went to TCU. Amazing when you find a university and you dig a little bit deeper that the connections that um, New Zealand has with particular universities in the United States with the college scholarship program that is in place. And of course, Cameron Norrie will be in action next week at the ASB Men's Tens, uh, Tennis Classic. Right, without further ado, Let's welcome to the show Nicholas Lamperin, the tournament director. Nicholas, good morning. Welcome. Good morning. Okay. Are you nervous? Are you relieved? What are the emotions? Day one of the ASB Women's Classic, your first time as tournament director? Um, I would say I'm more excited than the nervous. Um, I know it's been three years since the, the last time there was any tennis at the um, uh, ASB Arena. So we are... Um, we're thrilled, actually, to, to, to bring back all, all the stars to, uh, to Auckland and, and get on the way to that. You must be delighted with the depth that you have in this women's field. Yes. I mean, we, we're trying to build a, a field that was as uh, competitive as, as possible. Uh, as you know, there's, there's always a lot of competition with other events being played uh, across the world, and especially in Australia. But to be able to bring the likes of Coco Golf and Leila Fernandez, Sloane Stevens, uh, and Venus Williams, uh, I think it's it's a pretty big, big achievement for for the team. 
Yeah, Nicholas, can you just maybe provide some background and insight to our listeners on how you acquire these players, what the process is in terms of trying to get the best players to a tournament like this? Um, it's it's down to the, the relationship that you have with uh, the, the players um, directly, but also with their entourage, whether it's the family or, or the agent. Um, so it's these discussions that we have throughout the year trying to um, test their, their interest and, and what their plans are for, for, for the season ahead. Um, so it doesn't happen in two days, but it's more like conversation that takes place on a, on a regular basis. Um, and, and depending on the, on the timing, uh, then we're trying to get the, the, the deal done as far ahead as possible so we can plan accordingly um, and, and make sure we, we communicate properly with all our fans and, and sponsors in advance. And does that mean that you have to travel to a lot of tournaments earlier in the year to uh, touch base, to communicate, to sit down face-to-face with either management or the players themselves? Yes, I, I, I do travel to uh, all the Grand Slams. Uh, you know, Grand Slams are, are just like a, a conference for any kind of uh, uh, industry. Uh, where this is, this is a place where all the, um, all the tennis people meet, whether you know, it's tournament directors, players, sponsors, media um, and that's where mo- most of these uh, conversation happen mm. and what's the motivation for a player like Venus Williams I mean she doesn't play a lot these days clearly one of the greats of all time what's her motivation for coming here I think it's a combination of factors um, Venus has been to uh, Auckland six times in the past she's got great memories uh, she um, specified that she wanted to play the Australian Open this year so for her to be in Auckland uh, in advance of the Australian Open, it's the uh, it's the ideal preparation in a tournament that she knows where, where she feels uh, very well received every year she comes. Mm. And most of the top seeds that do come here and play, do they also play doubles? Um, I guess as a little bit of a backup in case for maybe some reason they are knocked out early in the tournament? Not necessarily. Um some might decide to uh, actually spend more more hours on the course, but on the court, sorry, but doing more training uh, as opposed to uh, more matches, especially doubles. So, for example, this this year we'll have um, Leila Fernandez playing doubles, uh, which is not the case for for the other top seeds who have decided to uh, to focus on their on their singles. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the surface at the ASB Tennis Centre, is the surface the same as what they're going to get at Rod Laver Arena? Yes, it's exactly the same. Uh, so the surface is, is green set. Uh, we've resurfaced all the courts uh, about a month ago just to make sure we, we provide the exact same conditions. Uh, and the players also uh, use the, the same balls as the Australian Open. And in regards to the officiating, uh, the, the, the linesmen or the lines people, uh, the, the cheer umpires, how are they? How are they appointed? Do they come from overseas or are they all from within New Zealand? Uh, so it's two different things. The, the Lions judges are coming from New Zealand. Um, so it gives them the opportunity you know, to officiate at the, at the top level in the country and, and brings a lot of experience for them. All the chair and pies are managed directly by the tour. So whether it's ATP or WTS, so they're, they're coming from overseas. And how much training is done with with the lines people here in New Zealand, how much training is done with, say, the ball boys or the ball girls? Uh, it's regular training, which is which is done um, 
you know the the, the few months in in the lead up to the event um you know especially this year um we haven't had that many tennis tournaments in, in new zealand over the, over the last three years so they've had to do some some training uh, just to make sure they were up to speed um and and ready to for for today yeah, for the lines people, I mean, sometimes there can be some contentious calls. We've seen personalities like John McEnroe back in the 1980s um, sometimes uh, let loose. What do you do to protect the lines people from the players or maybe from some of the controversy? If, if in fact, hey, they do get it wrong or if a player believes they get it wrong and, and decides to have a little bit of a go? Uh, it- as you know, technology is um, is evolving, uh, and now we have a system in place called Orkai, which is a, a review system. So three times per set, players have the ability to use that technology to, to check the, the call that was done by the line judges, and then they get one more additional uh, challenge um, during the tiebreak. So um, it's it, it's a big help for, for, for the players. You know, if they have any doubt about about a call, then they can they can use that technology. Mm. And for most of the top seeds, you've mentioned the likes of Leila Fernandez, um, Coco Goff, who I happened to see at the uh, Tuatara Baseball the other night, and she seemed to be enjoying herself. And when you do run through it, um, Bernada Pera, uh, Wang out of China. How long before the tournament did most of them arrive in New Zealand? Uh, the first players started to arrive around the 25th. Um, and then most of them have been training every day since the 27th, 28th. Um, and that's, that's probably the, the, the time that you need to adjust to the conditions, but also to the, to the jet lag as everybody's coming from overseas. Okay, let's look at uh, day one. Let's look at today at the ASB Women's Classic. What, what are the big matchups? What, what are the big games on centre court today? So the two biggest matches today, it's uh, the, actually the, the second one on centre court. So it's uh, Leila Fernandez, who's our, our third seed. And she's playing the young um, Brenda Faritova from Czech Republic. Brenda, Brenda is only 15 years of age. This is her first um, WTA Tour event. Uh, but she's an extremely uh, promising player, so it should be plenty of excitement for for this match. Uh, and then the third match on centre uh, will celebrate the return of, of Venus Williams. Um, she plays an, an American qualifier. Mm. And, and when do people get their first opportunity to look at the likes of Coco Goff? So Coco will play tomorrow. Uh, we don't have the schedule yet for tomorrow, but she's confirmed for tomorrow. And tomorrow you will also have the chance to see um, Emma Radukanu from, from the UK. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, also, I see that the um, Canadian, uh, Eugenie Bouchard, she was playing qualifying here. Has she progressed to the main draw? Sadly not. So she won her first round on, on Saturday, but she's had to pull out yesterday. Um, she, she was sick overnight uh, and couldn't, um, couldn't defend her chances yesterday. Mm-hmm. And for people tuning up, watching this, buying tickets, coming along, outside of the tennis itself, what experience can they expect? I mean, sport these days, it actually has to be, it can't just be about the sport, it's actually got to be an experience and it's something that you guys have done historically well. What can people expect? Yeah, we, we always want to cater for every every type of fans. Uh, you know, we, we have the crazy tennis fans who want to be in the stands and watch tennis for, for 10 hours. But we're also uh, very much aware that not all people want, want to do this. So we, we have um, a hospitality place called The Serve, 
you know, where people have the ability to enjoy every kind of food and drink service, uh, which is managed by all, all of our sponsors um, and, and, and partners. So um, we also have the big screens. Uh, we have slides to uh, cater for the, for the needs of the you know, families with, with young kids. So there, there's really something for every kind of, uh, of public. Mm, okay. Now, Wimbledon, the signature dish is strawberry and creams. What's the signature dish at the ASB Women's Classic? Uh, I'm not sure if there is one. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say there's, there's a lot on, on offer, and I would only invite um, all, all the fans to have, um, you know, walk around the serve and, and, uh, and get, get a taste of what, what's on offer. Oh, you haven't had a little French flavour, maybe a little pain au chocolat or a little bit of croissant? Um, some, no, but I do I do have to say that uh, so the, the mum uh, hospitality place, um, the, the the chef is actually French, uh, so we, we we brought some some French flavour to the to the serve for sure. Oh, very good. And how how are you enjoying the job? Are you living the dream? Yeah, I mean it's it's been uh, extremely uh, rewarding so far. Um, we we managed to get everything back on track in six months, which uh, in itself is is a bit of an achievement where when you would normally uh, need twelve months to uh, to put the event uh, together. Mm. Um, and now we just can't wait to have it um, uh, getting started today. Yeah. Now, look, Nick, a lot of people will be on holiday. Not everybody's necessarily going to be able to get along and watch the ASB Women's Classic. But the good news is the men's starts next week. So just a little bit of a reminder of some of the players that they can see in action next week if they do get a chance. Yes. Yeah, so on the on the men's field, uh, we have three top 15 confirmed players. So Casper Rood, who's the current number three player. Um, then we have Olga Rooney, who sits at number 11, played four finals in a row at the end of the season and, and beat Novak Djokovic to win his first Masters 1000. Um, definitely someone to uh, keep an eye on in, in the future as he might be competing with, with the likes of uh, Alcaraz for the mm. number one spot in the world. Um, and then we also have Cam Nori, who's um, uh, number 14. As you uh, might know, you know, Cam grew up in New Zealand, so he learned the game here. Uh, which is extremely re- rewarding for for the the, the, the tennis people here, um, and then we'll have a, another exciting white card to announce uh, probably sometime this week. Mm. I see Cameron Norrie yesterday getting a victory over Nadal and describes it as maybe the biggest win of his career. Yeah, I mean it's it's not given to anyone to beat the the like of Rafa Nadal, so um, I think it just shows how how good Cameron is these days. Um, he's he's only let's say only 14 in the world, which in itself is a big big achievement. But he should uh, be ranked higher because the the, the points that he uh, should have got at Wimbledon this year by reaching the, the semi final uh, were not were not counted. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just people just texting in. Are there still tickets available? Yes, we still have tickets available. Although I would um, I would really encourage people to. Um, to get into it re- really fast because the it, it's filling up quickly. Um, the, la- the last few days are almost sold out. We still have some availabilities Monday to uh, to Wednesday in, in both weeks, but it's but it's going really really fast. Yeah, just quickly on the ASB Tennis Centre, a lot of changes made to it, starting to look genuinely world class. Some new stands. Tell us just a little bit about um, uh, yeah the development that has been done. Yeah, so there was there was a new stand that was um, that was put together um, three years ago, 
sadly, the redevelopment space was put on hold because of COVID and, and all the uh, financial challenges on, on the organization. Uh, but hopefully, once the tournament is over, then we can look in the future and see um, see what's next for, for the venue. Uh, you know, we're very conscious of the fact that every single tournament is evolving. Um, they're upgrading the facilities. Um, you, you may see what you know what Tennis Australia has done in, in Melbourne over the years, which is mm. you know really amazing. And so we we can't afford to be left behind. So mm-hmm. it's definitely something which is on on our agenda. Look, and just someone else wanting to know, do we have a New Zealand point of view in either the men's or the women's? Are there going to be any New Zealand players in action that people can get along and get behind and create some nationalism? Yes. So we organised this year um, a playoff uh, for a wild card. So there was the, the winner would get a, a men's draw wild card and, and the runner-up would get a, a quality wild card. So the, um, the winner in the women's draw is Erin uh, Ratcliffe. So she'll be main draw uh, for the women's week. And then the men's playoff will get on the way in the next few days at uh, Scarborough Tennis Centre. Uh, and again, the winner will be awarded a, a wild card in the men's draw. So we will have a New Zealand point of view. That is fantastic. Well, Nicholas, I know it's a very, very busy day for you. Look, congratulations on pulling this off and off some very difficult times during COVID. I'm sure it'll be a great week. Certainly the players that you've got lined up, well, um, you know, what a wonderful opportunity for people to see the best in the world. So look, good luck. And we look forward to following the progress across here on SENZ. Thanks very much. Thanks again. And look, uh, we've got some audio too from... Cameron Norrie, after he beat Rafael Nadal in a, a, a team's competition in Australia. He'll be here next week, of course. Grew up, played his tennis here in New Zealand. Uh, went to Texas Christian University, as we mentioned, TCU. Uh, so his thoughts after what would have been, arguably, the biggest result of his tennis career. Cameron, you've played Rafael Nadal now five times. In your first four encounters, you were not able to get a set. You got the win today. What did you do differently to get that one? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. You know, I was I was thinking, and just as you said, I'd never won a set before, so I wanted to to come out and firstly do that, and I had to stay super patient. And um, yeah, you know, he was he, super physical match. I really enjoyed it, and I was uh, yeah huge to get through that one and, and finally beat him. You know, he beat me easy the last uh, few times. So great way to, to end the year for me and, and end 2022. And, and um, yeah, it was a crazy atmosphere. Thank you guys. It was, it was an amazing match. Rafa's a legend. He's someone who typically in matches like this is the top dog in the baseline exchanges. He's the one dictating play. But you flipped that around. You kind of dominated him in the baseline exchanges. Did that surprise you at all? Yeah, no, I've, I've had a really good offseason, played a lot of matches, and it's been good for me. And, and uh, yeah, I felt like I was uh, finding really good depth on my shots and, and really, like you said, dictating the play and, and wasn't really letting him do too much damage with his forehand so um, tactically I think it was pretty good match and, and I served my way out of some trouble. You're typically pretty mild and reserved when you play emotionally. Today it seemed like you brought a little bit more intensity. Was that with intention because you were playing Rafa? Yeah I had to match his energy and especially this team event you know I had the whole team behind me and, and Tim you know he's he's uh, giving a lot of chats and, and I had a couple friends and and the crowd probably having a few too many beers here and there, but uh, uh, they, they were loving it. And um, 
yeah, they probably needed that. It was a pretty stressful match, but um, no, Tim helped me a lot, and Faku and the whole team really got behind me and, and really, um, yeah, I was able to get over the line, especially play a really good uh, last game there. See, it does just prove, though, doesn't it, that New Zealand juniors can, can transition into being amongst the best in the world. We just seem to get to a certain point and then that progress stops. A lot of it is to do with financial. A lot of it is to do with geographical. And I just wonder whether the solution is that we start funding or remunerating other tennis organisations like Great Britain, like England, like tennis administrations around the world and saying, hey, look, here, here's a couple of hundred thousand dollars a year. Here's half a million dollars a year. Can you put our guy into your system and try and bring them through, but they'll always remain under the New Zealand flag? Lovely to hear Cameron Norrie there still speaking with very much a New Zealand accent. There is nothing British. There is nothing English about it, even though he attaches that flag next to his name. And I do get it. They are the reason he has been able to make the step up. Unbelievable performance. One New Zealand is an official sponsor of the ASB Classic, which is on in Auckland, starting today and also next week. Just want to, again, acknowledge their involvement, their sponsorship. One New Zealand, formerly Vodafone. Brilliant to have them on board, brilliant for us to be able to bring you this tennis show every Monday between 11 and 12. Michael Jackson, Black or White. That is our theme right through to 2.30 with our music. Songs that are associated with colour. You can text us here on 8833 on the Bedpost Temper text machine. We are talking tennis. This particular hour is known as the serve as we... Countdown to the ASB Men's Classic starting next week. And of course today, the Women's ASB Women's Tennis Classic gets underway. Erin Rutliffe won the right through to a wild spot in the main draw, representing New Zealand earlier today. Ricardo and Mitch caught up with New Zealand's riding, rising tennis talent. I'll tell you, somebody might be able to give us a bit, bit, uh, bit of a better idea of what that might look like is Erin uh, uh, Routliff. She joins us now, our number one women's tennis player. G'day, Erin. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, good. Thanks, man. Thanks for giving us some time. We're just talking about having Venus back at the ASB Classic at 42. I know you are a fair way off that. Uh, can you imagine <laughs> running around at this level at 42? <laughs> that would be difficult. I, I mean, all the respect to Venus for continuing to do it. She's amazing. So that's pretty cool. Have you run into it before? Is she, is she a good yarn? Yeah, she's super, super nice. Um, she hits a lot, actually with a lot of the other Kiwi girls a lot. So, yeah, she's a great great person. Yeah. Erin, uh, how's, how's the uh, the Christmas New Year period uh, treated you? Of course, well, most of us are sitting back having a couple of cold <laughs> ones and a barbecue. You've been uh, You've been working. Uh, yeah, it, it's been really nice. Um, I've been just spending it with my coach and his family. Um, but yeah, I've been doing a lot of training. I hit on Christmas Day, so that was quite nice, but just a light one. But yeah, I love having a hot Christmas, but it's been it's been pretty good. But obviously, 
I'm excited to get to work and I have been working for a couple of weeks now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in terms of a lead into a season with the season just starting, you've had the ITF tournament in Tauranga that, uh, that, that you did very well at. You won that, uh, both singles and doubles. Then you've had this wildcard play-in tournament to, to get a wildcard for the first round of the singles at the ASB Classic. I mean, does this feel like the best prepared you've been for a season maybe for a while? Um, yeah, I mean, it's always good to have competition leading into the season. And that's kind of why I played like the tournament in Papamoa and then the wildcard playoff. Um, my coach was kind of like, oh, well, your season ended middle of October. And, you know, sometimes I get a little bored practicing. <laughs> it's like tough to practice for that many weeks at a time. So it's been really nice to, you know, have some real competition and, you know, have a little bit of success leading into the season. I'm definitely ready to get going. But yeah, I feel really ready and I'm I'm just yeah exactly ready to get going where, um, where does the ASB Classic um, stand on the rankings and tournaments around the world for you uh, one of my top ones for sure I love playing here um, I think all the other players too they rate ASB as one of the best you know 250s out there um, but for me it's good I love having the Kiwi crowd and trying to use them like to my advantage and ha- not having it for three years was kind of a bummer. So I'm really excited to be back and to be playing for sure. Yeah. And you're, you're playing singles as well as doubles. Obviously you're the number uh-huh. one seed in the, in the doubles. How's, how's it feel playing both? What does that mean for you as an athlete trying to manage your body through a week? Yeah, it's a bit different just cause I've obviously, I obviously play doubles um, all the time and singles, not very often at all. Um, it's been nice, obviously, to get the matches in the past few weeks, the singles matches. So I'm not like completely like doing something out of the ordinary. But yeah, it's just a little bit more recovery, I would say, you know, a couple more massages <laughs> trying to get ready. But yeah, I'm just I'm really excited. And I think I mean, I've been doing a lot of fitness, so I'll definitely be able to hold up. But yeah, it's a little bit different for sure. Um, my question's just from like the double side of things. You've had three different um, doubles partners in the last three tournaments that you've played in. Uh, you're lining up with Carolyn Dolhide this week. Is it is it difficult mixing and matching between partners, or, or does your game kind of stay the same? Um, yeah, it's difficult. Your game kind of stays the same, but it also changes a bit. I always say that like um, – it's really more important with like how you get along personally with the partner, you know, like how you deal with them and like pressure situations and how they deal with you. Because obviously everyone's, you know, everyone's really nice when it's like off the court or whatever. But when you're in like that high pressure moment, then that's kind of when like your real self comes out and like how you deal with that is really important. Um, for me, it's just something that I've learned to deal with, obviously being a doubles player over the last few years. And so I just try to like get to know the person like as it happens, like today I've never played with Dolhide and we have a match later today, like a big match. So a lot of it will have to do with like us getting to know each other and getting to know our games on the court rather than worrying so much about like our opponents, which is a bit different. Cause like if I, if I was playing with somebody like Rosolska like last year, then we kind of worry more about the other side of the court rather than ourselves. <laughs> so have you met Carolyn before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen her, seen her around tournaments, of course, and um, yeah, know her off the court. Oh, how did the pairing come about then? It's just thrown together, or? Uh, yeah, you just text each other. Basically, it's just you have each other's numbers, and you're just like, hey, are you looking for this tournament? And luckily, I'd set with, um, I'd set with Alicia for 
Adelaide and AO and was looking for somebody for Auckland. And so that worked out well. Yeah, that's it's. it's I'm glad you've met her. I was kind of getting the impression that it'd be you'd be you'd be like, hey, I'll be the I'll, I'll be the one in the in the blue sneakers and the red hat. Um, I'll just wait by the entrance for you. <laughs> no, I mean that would be that'd be entertaining for sure for the crowd. But no, uh, we've seen each other around, obviously, and you know know each other. So that's that's a start, I guess. <laughs> Carolyn, we we tried to play some Taylor Swift intro music because you seem to be on the Tay Tay uh, bandwagon from the research I've done on Twitter. Uh, we've actually just had a text come through from Mark saying we've made his daughter's day uh, when we stopped pl- stopped talking and played Tay Tay music. <laughs> so you got another fan out there as well. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! Yeah, I love Taylor Swift. I think everyone everyone should love Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> big Tay Tay fan, big Tay Tay fan. Erin, uh, uh, what is the plan um, post uh, post Auckland for you? How, how's the season uh, mapping out? Yeah, so I'm going to Adelaide for the 500 there, the warm up tournament for Aussie Open, and then yeah, I'm heading to Melbourne for Aussie Open, and then after that, I'll probably be in Asia. Um, there's a few big tournaments like in abu dhabi and dubai and doha so yeah i mean if you have a crack at you know you've obviously you won that itf singles title you have a crack at the singles here if that goes all right is that something you're going to look to pursue more through the season i mean is that possible for adelaide or or are you going to wild carding for the ao um no not definitely not in like the first few months because the tournaments i'm playing are all really high level mm. so um my ranking like i i mean i guess unless i made a huge run this week would still be not super high um i've never said that i've given up singles completely i always try to play like when i can it's difficult because obviously my doubles ranking is high so i'm at these big tournaments so i can't really get into singles but i've always you know tried to like throw a couple singles tournaments in there maybe you know if it goes well then I'll throw a few more and see how that goes. But, yeah, for sure right now I'm predominantly focused on doubles. But, I mean, anything can happen. And, obviously, I'm playing singles here this week. So that's a change. Yeah, (laughs) that makes a change and uh, allows you to to stretch uh, those things that will scratch that itch. You don't necessarily get to do uh, playing doubles. On on doubles, I know uh, Mitch has already talked about having, you know, several different doubles partners this season. Um, I talked uh, to Mike Venus a couple of weeks ago about he's teaming up with Jamie Murray for this coming year um, and it looks like that they're, they're pretty much um, gonna committed to spending the year together. In terms of how far in advance you can plan in terms of a doubles partner, where are you at for that? Yeah, I can plan. Yeah, I guess I could do that as well. Um, rank My ranking's high enough that I could set with someone else for the year. Um, right now, I don't have any plans for partners after Australian Open. So um, I'm set with my Polish partner for that. And then after um, I don't have any plans yet. So <laughs> I guess it's kind of different to Mike. I'm literally only set for the first month <laughs> instead of the year. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Erin, uh, um, I've got a question. It's nice to hear that we've got some young listeners, uh, young female listeners listening as well. Um, on the on the front of the pathway to becoming a professional tennis player, um, I see you went down the college route. Um, is that the best route for, for a young budding professional to go down? I think it depends on the person. Um, for me, I, I definitely wasn't ready to go on the tour when I was 18. You know, that was that was something that was pretty clear. I think my parents, they made education really important. Um, so that's why I went to college and I went to a good school. 
um, that, you know, I was still able to, to improve my game while also getting an education. Um, I think it really just depends on the person, you know, like if they, you know, and if they have the resources, cause if they can play pro right away, it's obviously going to be very expensive. Um, but yeah, I think it really just depends. I think for people in New Zealand, I, I say that they should all go to college, um, out of high school because, you know, being in a smaller country where there's not as many tennis players, I think, um, you know, just experiencing life in the States and college is a really high level. Now I definitely recommend it to almost everybody I talk to and I had a really great experience. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's kind of the best of both worlds. You get to improve your game and also, you know, get to go to school and you learn how to time manage and all that stuff. So yeah, I would definitely say it's a good route. Yeah, good. Uh, great route. Uh, Aaron Routliff with us uh, talking uh, great routes. Aaron, thank you very much for your time. I uh, really appreciate it and, and best of luck today uh, when you, when you hit the court at the ASB Classic, we'll be, uh, we'll be rooting for you. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Aaron Routliff there talking to the boys earlier this morning. Yeah, originally born in Canada, as you can tell, not a New Zealand accent, a Canadian accent. Ended up going through the collegiate system through Alabama. Of course, well known for the Crimson Tide. Historically, under the coach of Nick Saban, have been the best college football program in the United States. More of a double specialist, reached the first round or knocked out in the first round of the 2022 Australian Open doubles. Third round of the French Open, quarterfinals at Wimbledon, third round of the US Open. Uh, mixed doubles last year reached the quarterfinals of the Australian Open in the mixed doubles as well. It seems to be not a bad path to go down if you're a pretty good singles player, but you probably think you're going to struggle to break into the top 100 and therefore make a genuine living. Look at doubles. Michael Venus, case in point. And of course, we do encourage people. There are still tickets available for the ASB Women's Classic, for the ASB Men's Tennis Classic starting next week. Just want to acknowledge One New Zealand, an official sponsor of the ASB Classic, on in Auckland this January. It is 21 and a half minutes away from midday. 17 minutes away from midday, we are talking tennis. This is The Serve. I just thought it might be a chance to go back and reminisce and look at some of the previous winners of the tournament. The defending champion on the women's side is Serena Williams. Of course, that was played back in 2020. Then you go back to Julia Gerges of Germany. She won in 2018, 2019. Lauren Davis of the United States in 2017. Sloane Stevens of the United States back this year. Venus Williams also playing this week, won in 2015. Anna Ivanovic of Serbia won in 2014 you've got Agniska Radwanska always remember her I think it was who did she beat it was, I think she may have been Wickmeyer um, and then just sort of rolling back through the list over the years there's been some very very good women's players that have visited these shores that have gone away with the silverware go back to Lindsay Davenport the big tall serving America Yelena Jankovic of Serbia back in 2017. Marion Bartoli. Eleni Dalialdu of Greece. Familiar names. Who will write their or etch their name in the history books of the ASB Women's Classic? Who will add their name to a long list of champions? Love to go back into the 1980s. Always enjoyed... 1980s, probably at the real height of my interest in sport, to be honest. 
But I've got to say, I was just scratching my head to try and remember some of the name of the women's winners in the 1980s. Tournament wasn't staged between 1983, 84, 85, but we had Gretchen Majors of 1987. Paddy Fendick won in 1988, 1999. Yvonne Goolagong, one of the absolute greats of the game. Won in 1975, 1974. Margaret Court, the great Australian, won in 1971. Margaret Smith, 1966. And then one of New Zealand's greatest ever sportswomen, maybe one of New Zealand's most underrated sportswomen, Ruia Morrison, won in 1959 and 1960. The first tournament was staged in 1956. It was Mary Horton of Australia who ended up winning that the men's side, just simply known as the ATB Auckland Open for a long time. It's got a long, rich list of winners. Here's some of the names here for the men's side of it. Roy Emerson, Rod Laver, Fred Stolle, who won Wimbledon, whose son Sandon Stolle, by the way, also went through Texas Christian University. Same university Cameron Norrie went through and the same university a number of my friends went through on running scholarships back in the early 1990s, 19. Um, 1989, early 1990s. Mentioned the great Roy Emerson. Then you've got the brilliance of Onnie Perrin, one here in 1973. The great Onnie Perrin used to chew on the corner of his shirt collar. Bjorn Borg, one in 1975. Onnie Perrin again in 75, 76. And then Vijay Armitage, arguably India's, well, certainly one of India's greatest ever. Tim Wilkinson, 1979, ended up having a very good coaching career. The great Chris Lewis won in 1985, beat Wally Masur. Mark Woodford, the two Woodies, would end up becoming one of the great doubles combinations. Always remember when Mark Woodford won that tournament. Uh, Bud Schultz, he ended up beating. Then you have Miloslav Machia. Now, Miloslav Machia went on to win the 1988 Olympic Games tennis gold medal when tennis came back into the Olympic program. Machia won in 88 when it was staged in Seoul, Korea. Amos Mansdorf, the Israeli tennis player, 1988. Ramesh Krishnan of India won in 1989. Carol Novacek, 1991. Magnus Gustafsson and Thomas Enquist, two Swedish players, 94, 95. Yuri Novak in 1996 beat Brett Steven. Remember that game? was delayed. It went very late at night. Novak winning that 6-4, 6-4. Jonas Borkman again in 1987. Sweden have had five winners because Magnus Norman won it in 2000 and, of course, we've already mentioned Bjorn Borg. Greg Ruzitsky, the big serving Brit, won in 2002. The Brazilian, who went on to become the world number one, Gustavo Querton, won in 2003. Dominic Habati in 2004. Jaco Nieneman in 2006. The great David Ferrer, I think he ended up winning this tournament five times, didn't he? David Ferrer beating Tommy Robredo. Another Spanish player, Roberto Batista Agu, beating Jack Sock. Jack Sock would come back in 2017 and win it. to be Roberto Batista Agu would win again. Tina Sangren won in 2019. The defending champion, Hugo Humbia, beat Beno Pierre of France. So 
two Frenchmen played the 2020 final. Of course, we didn't have finals in 2021 and 2022. But a remarkable list of names that have their name etched on this ASB Men's Classic trophy, one that I did forget, a big serving Argentinian, one, Mal, one Martin Del Potro. Get yourself along to the ASB Classic. One New Zealand is an official sponsor of the ASB Classic on in Auckland this January. Uh, Mark Watson with you coming up to midday two. We will talk some darts. We'll get Ben Francis to update the World Darts Championship quarterfinals have pretty much come to a conclusion. So semi-finals, finals time. We'll catch up with Scott Worthington, one of uh, an event director in this country who runs a race called the Revenant. It's arguably one of New Zealand's, or if not New Zealand's, toughest endurance race. Predominantly a running race, which requires um, getting to checkpoints. Only five people have finished the race in the history of the event, which has been going for five years. It's set to go in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, Just sticking with tennis, Great Britain have reached the playoff round of the inaugural United Cup with victory over Spain in Sydney. Dan Evans gave Great Britain an unassailable 3-1 lead in the best-of-five contest at the Ken Roswell Arena. Ken Roswell Arena. The British number two defeated Alberto Ramos Vinales 6-3, 1-6-6-3 after Harriet Dart lost 6-7. 7 6 6 1 to world number 13, Paula Badoza. Now, on Saturday, Cameron Norrie, as we've already mentioned, beat Rafael Nadal, and Katie Swan saw off Nudia Perez Diaz to put Britain 2 0 up. Dart and Johnny O'Mara are currently playing Jessica Buzas, Monero, and David Hernandez in the final doubles rubber. Finals doubles rubber. Now, Britain will face the United States. Germany or the Czech Republic in Wednesday's Sydney City final, which acts as a playoff for the semi-finals. So Britain sport, very much on a high at the moment. It's amazing how often you pick up sports news and you really realise or find Britain at the forefront or England or at the forefront of so many big major sporting events. Just shows what happens when you have a bigger population You've got a history of doing well and then you invest in coaches and you invest in infrastructure. I would like to see more money in this country spent on coaching and infrastructure, bricks and mortar, rather than necessarily handing money out directly to individuals, particularly if you've only got a limited pool of funds. Four minutes away from midday.